Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Just walk with your head up high. Don't be afraid. Just take it one step at a time. Don't give up on your dreams, no matter how small. Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Tonight is February 11th, 2014. Wow, how the time does fly. Uh, We have a really interesting guest tonight, Michael Langan, who is a medical professional who's going to be calling in in just a minute. I want to give a plug for a new book. It's called Recover. Exclamation point. Stop thinking like an addict and reclaim your life with the perfect program by Stanton Peel with Ilsa Thompson. And I, I got it a few weeks ago and I just started uh, reading it today. And it is such a great book. This is, and I really just, you know, read the first like 10 pages, but then I browsed through it. And what it is, is you have a book that sort of explains where it's at and then, you know, what is what you're having to deal with with our culture today, sort of being brainwashed by Alcoholics Anonymous everywhere. And then there's a real program to help you and follow it, and it's fantastic. And I I called Ilsa just to say that, you know, I feel like this is a book. There's a lot of other great books. Uh, I think, you know, Amy's book was great. Um, But this book is, looks like it's going to be, could be a replacement for the big book. And people could hand it to people, and they could just go and recover. And uh, could be given to college students and educated people and people in prison and people everywhere, lawyers, judges, and start. And they could use it in uh, treatment programs. I think it's it. I think that Ilsa and Stanton really did their job. So uh, if you haven't bought the book, it's called, again, it's called Recover, Stop Thinking Like an Addict and Reclaim Your Life with the Perfect Program by Stanton Peel and Ilsa Thompson. Really nice. Uh, really, really, really great. And I am waiting for Michael to call in. And uh, he hasn't called in yet. Uh, Michael, call in 818-475-9211. Let's see where he is. Uh, I think we're going to deal with on this subject. Uh, hold on a second. I just want to... Um, eight, eight, Four seven five. I'm sorry. I'm trying to multitask here. Four seven five ninety two eleven, and that is the number for Michael to call into. And if he doesn't do that, then I guess I'll be just talking to myself. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey. So here we go. I'm trying to send an email to him. Make sure that he gets that and gets in my queue. He's still not in the queue. I see uh, Kevin is out there listening. Hi, Kevin. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that I think have changed. I'm coming up, I can't believe this, on three years of doing this show. And it just blows my mind that this amount of time has passed. But there's a couple of things that have happened. I'll just keep talking until he calls in. And, uh, well, let me tell you what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about... um, the ethical issues in state physicians' health in healthcare with doctors. What happens if a doctor, uh, you know, gets uh, they think he's got a problem drinking, and um, or he has a problem with drugs? It's really this um, in a journal of addiction medicine. 
they just published a bunch of things. He sent me the link on uh, all of these, you know, I guess doctors talking about what happens if they get into issues around alcohol and drugs. Well, in the old days, uh, I guess they called Bill Wilson up, and uh, nothing happened, and nothing bad happened to their, you know, status. And they, you know, just uh, joined Alcoholics Anonymous and read the book. And for those of them that worked, uh, they, you know, went down that road of abstinence. And those that it didn't, uh, I bet you it caused a lot of problems. But I don't know when it began, quite honestly. I mean, I'm looking into the ASAM and things of that, you know, how entrenched Alcoholics Anonymous has gotten into our medical world doctors that I mean I was shocked to find out that he had sent out 200,000 postcards to doctors uh, when the book first came out that's the first group of people that he targeted because they were heavy drinkers and then it was the lawyers because they were heavy drinkers and you know they've gone after every everybody they've gone after the police yeah the police are now I heard you know they've joined AA they have their own little form of AA pilots they went after pilots in the mid-70s and uh, they have this special little new name, and it's still the same powerless-based structure. But the problem that I had originally with Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'll just, like I said, keep talking until he calls in, and I think it's there right there, was basically the crime that was happening, sexual predatory violent, you know, guys being court-ordered. I was shocked. Women getting murdered and raped. Shocked some more. Then to come find out how embedded it was in the judicial system, really shocked about that. Well, it's already been fought. You know, you can't order somebody there. Well, they're still doing it all day long. Well, I just, I met a lawyer recently who's going to bring me downtown Los Angeles and I'm going to get introduced to a bunch of DAs and judges. So that's a good thing. If anybody out there is listening, I have pamphlets uh, that are addressing DUIs. If anybody wants some, you know how to reach me at makeasafer at gmail.com. I'll mail you, you know, 10 of them, uh, 20 of them, something, and you can go and hand them out to people if you like. I have new postcards that say, you know, is AA not is 12 step not working for you and on the back it has all the good resources that are free. And with that, I think that this is Michael and I'm going to pick up the phone here and see if it's him. Hi Michael. Hi Monica, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Can you hear me okay? I can. It's really really good connection. Are you on a landline? Okay, good. Good. Yeah, I'm I'm on, on a landline. landline. So Yes, I have a new landline in my house. My, I got rid of my old phones. They were, but it's a nice, old-fashioned one. I, I like that kind. <laughs> so, Me too. Um, yeah. So I, you and I talked. I think like last year was it more, like after I had some health issues. I remember talking to you, right? Mm-hmm. Talked for a long time. Right. Right. Did you did you read what I put up on the post? What I what we're going to talk about today? I don't. I didn't really quite know what to say. But what I said is a embedded with the medical mm-hmm. profession. How did this happen? <laughs> well, how it happened was um, over decades, and there's a lot of intersecting um, organizations. That if we start with the American Society of Addiction Medicine. Um, hmm the voice of addiction medicine. They've convinced most people that they are the experts in addiction medicine, Mm -hmm. that they're competent, that they um, know what they're doing, and that they're the the, uh, pinnacle of of addiction treatment, Mm -hmm. diagnosis, research, all of that. And if you look at the history, uh, it's easy to see where they came from. And it's mm-hmm. the, the New York Society of Alcoholism, and then into the. Uh, um, it eventually ended up being the American Society of Alcoholism, then the American Society of Addiction Medicine, and mm-hmm. it basically started with with doctors who were in recovery mm. um, themselves who wanted to proselytize AA mm-hmm. and make it medically accepted. Mm. Um, over the years, the number of physicians in the ASAM has increased. I think it was you know, like 100 and something in the 70s and went up to 600. It's now over 3,000 physicians. Hmm. And if you look at their history of what they've been trying to do in the 80s and 90s, the papers that they've written, um, they're basically opinion pieces trying to justify AA as the um, 
as a medical treatment for alcoholism. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, for example, I think in 1988 there was there's a, published in a pulmonary uh, journal, and one of the ASAM doctors interviewed several hundred ASAM doctors and said, what's the most important thing in recovery? And, of course, top of the list was 12-step AA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like the, the um, JAMA reviewed the big book at one time, and they, you know, kind of poo-pooed it, just said it was interesting, and it, if anything, it alerted people to the significance of, uh, you know, that this is a serious problem. Mm-hmm. But they really, really couldn't convince the medical establishment that, that, you know, this was a, a significant, valid, scientific treatment for alcoholism for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they did is at one point, the physicians' health programs, they were previously impaired physician programs, mm-hmm. and most of them started in the 80s after... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, there, there was a an article in, in JAMA, the sick physician, and, and you know that a lot of physicians who had drug or alcohol problems didn't get help, and that mm-hmm. alerted um, people to that. So these state um, programs usually started with the medical societies, or, or they were volunteers, physicians who were in it for the right reasons to help mm-hmm. fellow physicians and also to mm-hmm. protect the public. Right. So, for example, in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. you know, this was started with the uh, Mass Medical Society, and mm-hmm. good, qualified people joined it. Um, they helped fellow physicians. But some of the ASAM physicians along the way got the idea to join mm-hmm. into these state physician health programs. And what they've done over the past decade is taken over, mm-hmm. kicked out the good guys, Mm-hmm. and poisoned the state physician health program network with their group think. Mm-hmm. Some, are, I mean, some are better than others. There's some good ones. There's some bad ones. Um, but overall, like in Massachusetts, uh, you know, it was started by good guys and populated by competent physicians who were caring and um, also intelligent critical thinkers, evidence-based medicine, all that, mm-hmm. um, such as, Wes Boyd, John Knight, John Frompson, those type of people. Mm-hmm. Well, they fell by the wayside, and now the mm-hmm. one in Massachusetts is is completely um, corrupt with the groupthink. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and what what's happened is ideology has replaced uh, evidence-based medicine. Wow. Um, controls re- control and coercion have replaced. Uh, um, Competent, it's just, it's, it's a nightmare, and they do whatever they want. Mm. The problem is these were, uh, there was an absence of need to guard because these are programs of benevolence. So mm-hmm. no one thought to be vigilant, so it was easy. Any system can be subverted, mm-hmm. and this was easy to do because there were, was no regulation, no mm-hmm. accountability, no transparency, mm-hmm. and that remains so. Wow. Um, they're accountable to no one. Mm. So... Oh, sounds like what AA. they do is uh, <laughs> sounds like AA World yeah. Headquarters. Okay, uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, so, but, but what they do is uh, yeah. they it's um, a bait and switch. I mean, they basically uh, you know say they're a confidential, caring organization. Um, you know, they encourage confidential referral, so you can you can call and turn in a doctor if you think he's you know um, got red eyes or you know acting what? funny or. You, you can call, and, and, it, and it's, you're guaranteed confidentiality. You're guaranteed immunity. They won't even know who called. But what they do is that they can then call you in, mm-hmm. and if they feel that you are in need of their services, or you could, as they say, you could benefit from our services, mm-hmm. you have no choice. Wow. So, so you either sign on, yeah, or you're reported to the board. And by signing on, they can then send you for an evaluation or uh, give you a drug test, and that's where the uh, subterfuge comes in. That's where, um, you know, they're, they're fabricating tests, they're sending to their friends, um, and it's basically uh, um, 
cognitive distort, you know, cognitive distortion and the, uh, uh, I mean, confirmatory distortion. So they'll mm-hmm. send you to one of their friends. Um, a subset of the ASAM is the FSPHP, the Federation of State Physician Health Programs. F-H-P-H-P. And this group is what populates, yep, and they're the ones who populate the physician health programs, but they're also the ones who run the rehab centers. Mm. So here's how, how, here's how it works in Massachusetts. If, if a doctor's called in and they think he's in need of services, they will say, we want you to get an evaluation, and you have the choice of, say, Talbot, Marworth, Hazelden, Promises, and they'll give you three or four choices. But what, what they don't know is that all four of those facilities mm-hmm. are 12-step prohibitionist brain disease models of addiction with FSPHP medical directors. Mm. So it's 12-step facilitation, they call it. Um, wow. So they get you into these, and then um, you know they recommend... Um, AA, and wow. you have no choice. And um, really, and um, the other thing is, is the FSPHP. One of their physicians is the one who introduced, proselytized, and marketed the drug, the alcohol test that they're using. Hmm. And there's essentially no evidence base for it. No other people are using it, um, and it's basically, you know, a tool like the uh, witch prickers used. Um, you know, there's, there's been, what's interesting is there's been no critical criticism of any of this. There's, there's been no Cochrane, um, evaluation of the studies. There's, um, it's, it's essentially been done without resistance. Wow. And, and, you know, the, the qualifications for the board certification and, addiction medicine are, are, are very low. I mean, I, I took it, I just paid the $2,200 and took it and scored by, you know, by a large margin, I passed it like 80th percentile. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it's, it's not recognized by the American Board of Medical Specialties. Mm-hmm. The only addiction um, certification that's recognized is psychiatry, where you do a psychiatry residency, then you do a fellowship in addiction medicine, and then you take a standardized exam and mm-hmm. pass it, and that exam includes you know, toxicology, forensics, everything to do with addiction medicine. This is a, a basically, I thought it was kind of a combination of a Scientology personality test mm-hmm. and, um, and eighth grade pharmacology. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, and they have a textbook... Uh, the American Society of Addiction Medicine has a textbook out that they call the definitive, um, um, you know, state-of-the-art text addiction medicine. They have a chapter entitled um, 12-step and other programs, and the whole chapter, they don't mention any other program. <laughs> wow. Um, and there's a picture so of Ruth Fox on, um, if you go to ASA, it's weird because that you're on mm-hmm. even. Um, I just want to, I'm so, thank you so much for coming on, and I thank Peter for, you know, connecting me again with you, uh, that we're getting at the point in the film that I'm making of doing the research about where this disease, you know, model bullshit has, you know, how did it get so big, because it actually wasn't thrown around a lot in the mid-1970s when I first went to AA. You know that I went, I was a long-term member, and I left, and I've been Mm -hmm. gone for three Mm -hmm. years, and I'm exposing it Mm -hmm. in my film. But we're getting to a place where this you know, a little uh, rabbit hole uh, is so deep. And so I said, okay, let's, I mean, I found out a lot about Marty Mann and what she did, which was kind of scary, but I didn't know the stuff that Bill had, you know, sent out 200,000 postcards to doctors and was the first, you know, people that he went after when the book was published. But I found myself on ASAM and I was like, hmm, hmm, there's something just about this. It smells like steppers. And so I got to, you know, I'm trying to be an investigative person about it. And like right here, we have Ruth Fox is you know on the she is the founder. So I was like, okay, who found it? Who is she? Why? How is she connected? And I know Ruth Fox. We used to hear about her all the time as as a AA geek that I was in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, who she was, and well, she started this ASAM, 
And, she um, did. But, she and did. then, you know, you kind of came right when we're – got to tell you what else, though, I found. So someone sent me a link to the whitehouse.gov last night. A woman out of Ohio, I interviewed someone else, and I met her, Juliet. She created a, a really good blog on and Facebook page about exposing, you know, all this stuff with AA. But the thing is, is that there's a link on our government website that is calling AA, NA, and CA like this terminology. I'm like, this is written by a freaking stepper who is totally like up there somehow with the White House. And I'm like, oh, and I already wrote letters to um, Obama and 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 Michelle and Biden and Jill and and, and my governor about the murder of Carla Brada. Because they, we have a court mm-hmm. ordering, like, you know, I'm sure President Obama has no idea that AA, you know, court orders violent offenders and then goes after teenagers with their animation movie and they want them to be in the same place and there's no safety p- measures. Never mind the whole part about the bullshit that's said in the meetings from the, Chapter 5 and all the other bullshit brainwashing, right? I'm talking about, like, basic safety that it, they all could get sued and they're going to get sued big time. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at who is proselytizing the physician health programs, um, Robert DuPont, I mean, you know, of his involvement with the teen programs, with Synanon, Straight Inc., The Seed, oh, wow. um, you know, he, he wanted uh, those, he said they were the, the, the pinnacle of success in, in treating teens with uh, oh, addiction. God. Wow. And it was the same type of outfit, except how it would work is, you know, they would put out signs of uh, signs that your teenager is using drugs. Mm. Uh, you know, red eyes, breath mints, uh, you know, Molly Hatchet T-shirt, I don't, just all sorts of things. Um, wow. A, a new interest in uh, growing Japanese tomatoes, which are probably marijuana. Just all these signs of um, wow. of drug abuse, and. You know, so a parent would find a, a you know, suspicion of, of, of drug use or, or anything, a, you know, a bong, a pipe, uh, just some, something suggestive and send them to these teen camps. And um, it was the same type of outfit, uh, abusive indoctrination, um, mm-hmm. you know, just total um, dehumanization and, um, oh, yeah. and uh, humiliation. And, and mm-hmm. you know, there's a Facebook site up now on all these kids who have killed themselves. And it, mm. it, it's horrible. I mean, I mean they what's refer the to these called? programs. And is it Beyond Scared Straight? Or is, it, is this, no, that's, uh, what's the it one about? It is Scared about Straight, the... yep. It's, 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 those, it's those, those outfits. And they're still out there, but they're modeled after the Synanon. Um, it, basically, it's the prohibitionist contingency model of, uh, of addiction treatment, of complete abstinence that any... Any um, type of drug use um, or experimentation is a you know a sign of of weakness and needs to be corrected, and that needs to be done through lifelong prohibition and twelve step indoctrination forever mm-hmm. um, and with strict contingency management which and by that they mean drug testing and if there's any positive there's swift and certain consequences um, and and that type of indoctrination killed all these kids and still killing kids. Yeah, it's very bad. But he he proclaimed that this was the uh, you know the the pinnacle of success in addiction medicine. Now he's claiming wow. that the physician health programs are the pinnacle of they're a replicable a replicable model of addiction treatment um, and a gold standard and the thing is if you look if you google physician health programs it's nothing but a, a parade of of pomp and swagger about how great they are. Mm-hmm. But the basis of that is this small study of 902 physicians, which is basically an opinion piece written by the FSPHP physicians with false endpoints that refuses to, um, basically they say there's an 80% success rate. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, you know, it's, it's method, methodologically flawed, it's biased, it's it, it, it's like the lowest level of evidence, but nobody has has taken it to task. Um, like I've written the Cochrane collaboration, I've written epidemiologists, and said, why don't you know? Why don't you look at this study, 
criticize it and write a paper on it, and nobody's done it. Um, so they're parading it around, you know, pronouncements masquerading as science, misinformation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, basically corporate front group stuff. Wow. And um, the real sad thing is, is 20% of these physicians, um, a large, 20% of them didn't make it to five years. Mm-hmm. But what they're hiding is a high percentage of those physicians who were kicked out, um, left for no apparent. I mean, they, they use these false endpoints um, instead of. Uh, it was only while they were in the program that they recorded the endpoint. So if the endpoint was left for no apparent reason, or was um, you know lost their license, kicked out of the program, that was the endpoint. But what they didn't say is after that endpoint, many of those physicians killed themselves. Mm. And there's been a marked rise in physician suicide in the past five years. And um, mm. I have no doubt that it's directly related to these people taking over the physicians' health programs. And nobody's, nobody's acknowledging it. Nobody's even, um, you know, everybody's blinkered on it. And you know they've created this myth it? that there's... Yeah, go ahead. Who's that? Uh, well, the police. So I found out, too, that mm-hmm. cops are, um, there's a group, and there, we had somebody in San Diego, a uh, police mm-hmm. officer who committed suicide after he was uh, forced, he got a DUI, and they were going to sentence him to AA. And you know that, you know, policemen, you can't be a policeman and think you're powerless, first of all. That's not ingrained in a right, cop or right. in a physician. And there's been a rise right. in that. And then when I interviewed a girl who was, 13 stepped and, you know, was really some st- in my mm-hmm. upcoming film. And she was telling me that a lot of the police officers are now in AA. And I'm like, what? But the thing is, is that they're not going to buy it hook, line, and sinker. But we, the whole thing is that, you know, AA really went from the top down. It was not a grassroots movement, Michael. I know you know this. Mm-hmm. But they really, yeah. you know, it was a strategy. And so what we have to do, as I think as a community, and I'm going to get together with the community here that is uh, the, all the alternatives to AA that are sane, and we're going to meet together with Stanton Peel and Mark Hearn and Dr. Jaffe and Claudia Christian, who's making a film about the use of naltrexone, that, you know, uh, the same way. So everybody who they went after, and now I've learned how they did it, I mean, but we still have to hook up with the millionaires that AA hooked up with back in the 1930s that Marty Mann connected. So we all can go at it at every level, you know, and I want to hear like this whole story with you, what's going on and everything, and I'm fascinated by this. But there has to be a concerted effort to expose AA as the golden cow, mm-hmm. which I'm going to do. And there is someone else that's going to do it before me in the spring nationally. And then AA needs to be sued for all the wrongful deaths that are occurring. And then everybody needs to, we have to educate people with PSAs that there's all these other options. So it has to, the same thing that AA did, and because I was in it, and then their stupid fucking service structure, and wasted many years Mm -hmm. of my young life, um, that I know how to replicate it, and that's what I'm going to do. But we we have to come together, and that's what we're doing here now. But I'm shocked, as I'm going down this rabbit hole of medicine and my federal government and the judicial system, that when AA says we're not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, we do not engage, and they sit this bullshit preamble at the beginning of every meeting, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're totally embedded in our medicine, you're totally embedded in my judicial system, and you're totally embedded Mm -hmm. in, like, where else? In psychology, in rehab? It's, right. it's nuts. It's big. It's really big, Michael, and we have to we have to change it. Yeah. In, in fact, it, in in my case, the um, and and I never even had an alcohol problem, mm-hmm. but they um, they this test that they uh, planted on me called a pest test. You know, the mm-hmm. ETG came out in 2004. This guy Greg Skipper, who was a PHP physician, he he uh, you know proposed it put an arbitrary cutoff point of 100 and marketed it to the drug companies and put it out there. And, you know, all these people lost their licenses. They got deported. They lost their kids. Well, you know, he just made up this number of a hundred. You know, he's not a, not a pharmacologist, not a research, um, you know, biochemist, anything, but he, he had this idea because ETG is a minor metabolite of alcohol to use it for forensic testing. 
And, you know, after thousands of people, you know, their lives were ruined. It was finally um, nobody used it except um, the physician's health programs. Uh, they continued to use it, and it fell out of disfavor, and now they're bringing back this one called the PETH, which they want to resurrect the ETG and then use the PETH as a confirmatory test, which they did on me. Um, but then I uh, um, asked for the litigation packet. First they refused, then they threatened me. I finally got it, and I actually have a memo, and it says, please add my – it was my ID number, 1310. It was a fax memo to U.S. Drug Testing Labs asking that my ID number – and a chain of custody be added to an already positive test 19 days after mine was drawn. Wow. You know, complete, complete fraud involving the outfit that introduced and proselytized the test and the outfit that's making money from it. So the conflicts mm -hmm. of interest are just unbelievable. Um, I mean, there's, there's talk of, of kickbacks, money laundering, all sorts of things. But, um, um, you know, but this is black and white. It has a, a bow on it. But people, um, who do you give it to? I mean, what they've done is they've convinced law enforcement that this is, you know, with physicians, it's a parochial issue. You know, we'll take care of it. And then they use the accusation of substance abuse to disregard the, you know, claims of the accused. So, oh, you know, he's, uh, you know, that, you know, it's, he's in denial, drug addict talking. Oh, okay. That, Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Leave them alone. Uh, um, so it's so people, and this is happening across the country. Doctors are coming into the you know, attorney general's office, reporting it to the police mm -hmm. that they're committing crimes, wow. and they're being turned away. Um, I mean, actual actual crimes. And there's been multiple violations of the uh, you know establishment clause of the First Amendment. That's that's inevitable. Wow, um, wow. You know, so tell me, what are the crimes? Like, can you give me an example of a crime? Well, what they're doing is, one, they're fabricating, and this isn't, I only know of the Massachusetts one. In Oregon, North Carolina, I've heard from several other states where they're doing the same thing. They're fabricating tests. Any forensic test requires strict adherence to protocol. You know, a clinical test, I could, you know, pull up a syringe of, of, you know, pickled herring and send it into the lab and they'd read it. But for a forensic test, it requires strict protocol, chain of custody, um, and, um, you know, collection procedures. For, for example, for the, uh, the PETH test, it requires a non-alcohol wipe, not just non-ethanol but non-alcohol, because isopropyl alcohol has some ethanol in it. Huh. It requires a special tube, uh, either gray or purple top tube, that you have to invert several times because it contains a preservative and an anticoagulant. And then you need to send it to the lab overnight refrigerated, and that's to prevent fermentation, because any alcohol testing, you need to prevent fermentation. And um, you know that requires a custody and control form, and a strict chain of custody, which means anywhere that specimen is at any given time must be accounted for. You need to know where it is, under what conditions, um, and if everything was, uh, was, was done correctly. So with that, what is supposed to happen with a forensic test is it, because of the grave, far-reaching consequences of a positive, it needs to go through an MRO review, a medical review officer. Right. And what a medical review officer does is checks to see that everything was done properly. Right. You know, was it drawn right? Was it, you know, is it initialed? Is it dated? Is it timed? All, you know, everything. Is it refrigerated? And only then, once that is checked, can he report it as a positive. Mm. Well, what we have in these physician health programs, for example, in the Massachusetts one, is the guy just rubber stamps everything. So, you know, a cutoff level, like with morphine the, right. uh, and the opiates, you know, the usual, the initial cutoff level was 300, but they found that poppy seeds, you know, could cause innocent positives. So they raised it to 2,000. Really? In some organizations, really I think like NASA. Seeds? Oh, yeah, yeah. It has morphine and codeine in it. But some organizations, I think 
NASA has like a 3,000 level. Well, in the physician health program, they don't believe in levels. It's, you know, it's this AA thinking, oh. it's black and white. It's either there or oh. it isn't. Um, it's this simplistic, dichotomous thinking. So this guy will give a positive for somebody with a level of 50 on a morphine and report it to the board. And what I'm hearing across the country is the same pattern. They're reporting medications that people are prescribed. So if a physician has prescribed a medication, they're reporting a metabolite or the parent product as positive to the board. They're disregarding cutoff levels, um, and they're fabricating tests using the, the PETS and the ETG. And so the first step is just get a positive. Get a positive any way you can if you don't like oh my God. the doctor. Wow. And then the second step is they say to the, to the physician, we would like – so in Massachusetts they'll say, we want you evaluated at a facility that is experienced in the diagnosis and treatment of healthcare professionals. And then they'll give you the, you know, they all have the same list. There's 10 to 15 of them. But namely Talbot, Hazelden, um, Marworth, uh, the same same facilities over and over again. And the heads of those facilities are all friends. So, so what they'll do at the uh, at, at the rehab and and doctors John Knight and West Boyd in their article that they uh, they wrote last year, where they essentially called for you know the broader you know the general medical community to pay more attention to these physician health programs, which that didn't happen, um, partly because it was published in an ASAM journal, but. Um, um, they actually say in there that that if you direct um, that the facilities will tailor their diagnoses um, towards the impression of the P- PHP. So if they ask the facility to find somebody, say, in relapse or addicted when they're not, they'll do it. And they'll fabricate neuropsychological testing and they'll fabricate... Um, IQ oh, testing, yeah. and I've heard it over and over again. It's the same pattern. They diagnose denial with cognitive impairment and say that the doctor is not um, cap- capable of practicing medicine. We recommend an inpatient stay, which is usually three months and like $60,000 out of pocket. Oh, my so, so it's basically the political abuse of psychiatry going on in the United States. Who's, who's they are looking? incarcerating people who don't wow. have a problem. Wow. Um, They're incarcerating doctors. They're incarcerating. I mean, it's, it's yeah. How many doctors um, have they been been incarcerated? Um, hundreds. I mean, you know, oh this was initially God. noticed down at Talbot. Talbot, when all these doctors killed themselves after that. Uh, a Talbot. T a l b o t. I'm sorry. I need. I don't, I'm not from. T a l b o t t. Okay. Talbot and, is but what they did place. is they just, yeah, Talbot Recovery Center. And it's, a, uh-huh. it's the prototypical 12-step prohibitionist indoctrination program. Like Promises um, and Biddy Ford? Yeah, well, Promises is run by Greg Skipper, who is the guy who introduced the ETG. Mm-hmm. And he is also, there was recently an article in JAMA, because their next push is to randomly drug test all doctors. They want to you know, they're wow. out for more power. Oh, boy. So they're Good creating the myth, of the, the myth of the hidden doctor junkie. And it's the perfect scam because what they're saying is, hey, you know, these guys, you don't notice them. You know, they, they hide it so well. They have easy access to drugs. You know, they, they may be overcompensating and pretending mm-hmm. like they're, you know, they have good bedside manner. They're staying late at the office. But it's just, you know, it's just a show to acquire more drugs. Wow. So um, they're saying that physicians are that different that they need three to four months of. Uh, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, the the um, you know physicians come from a variety of of, of different backgrounds, and um, it, it just makes no sense. And this is a one size fits all program. So if you know you get there's a one off, there's a situational factor, there's a you know somebody gets a DUI, they get the same treatment. Right. You know, that, right. a, that a, an IV heroin user would get. 
Yeah, they're I mean, criminalizing our people. The same they're criminalizing, but I think that the criminalizing of our citizens when you get in a car and uh, you know mm-hmm. you, I mean, if nobody gets hurt and no property's hurt for a first offender, uh, they're criminalizing people. I've known people with you know who are absolutely yeah. devastated and get suicidal because they're great citizens and mm-hmm. work and you know been productive yep. and they're treated like a criminal and they're not a criminal and you know not every state is all is bad but you know what mothers against drunk drivers did it was nuts what how what they have it's not prohibition yep. anymore it's over in America yet we have had AA people and I know them because I was there in the 70s and watched them get entrenched and entrenched in everywhere you're mm-hmm. talking about but I'm like right now, as I'm talking to you, I went on because somebody sent me the link to the page on with our government, and I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to send you the link that came on here that they're talking about high schools that are uh, okay. Here's one: Association of Recovery Schools. Like I'm like what? Like well, are, are you fucking you know, kidding me? They want to do this. They're behind part, part of yeah. that because you know Robert Dupont, his company, Bezinger Dupont. Mm-hmm. What they do is they set up, 30% of their business is setting up employee drug programs. Wow. So the whole plan was to, to do this with the physicians, and now they're claiming it's the paradigm of addiction medicine, and they're trying to, they're wooing DOT, wow. you know, the Department of Transportation. They also want to implement it in, um, in students with federal loans, you know, one drug test, no federal loan. You know, now, now there, you know, there could be some argument if the people were competent and if they were honest. Right. Um, but what we have here is incompetent. Hmm. Um, it's incompetent power, and it's it's illegitimate power, and they're using their all their own tests. It, it, they're, it's a free for all. They they basically have. Um, you know, just carte blanche um, power to do anything they want. But the goal is to spread this to other populations. Um, it's to expand it as a replicable model. And if you, and if you look it up, you, I mean, all of this you can find online. It's, it's there. Mm-hmm. So that's where the danger lies, and that's why – and nobody's paying attention to it. Um, nobody, nobody blinks an eye. It, it's, it's like – you know, hey, this is a really dangerous situation right now. It's, um, but everybody's blinkered. It's not even talked about. Can you can you get a um, you know? Do you want to talk about it in in the film? Sure, sure. You want to talk about? Um, we can do, I mean, I've I been mean, doing. I'm, yeah, go ahead. Tell me what you've been doing to uh, you know, to change things and to try to get the word out. Tell me what you've been doing. Well, I've been trying. I mean, in, in my I mean, my case still isn't. Um, what I had to fight for for a year was to get an independent evaluation because what these guys did is um, after they, after they fabricated the test on me, it took me three months to get the litigation package and they sent me to, and having gone through this before, I knew what was going to happen. I said, look, I'll go anywhere for an evaluation, but not one of their facilities. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I requested to the board, could I go to an independent facility for an evaluation, while at the same time getting a full evaluation at Mass General through, you know, I was informed on the 19th that this test was positive, and it wasn't only positive, but it was like the second highest value in history. It was like oh. the equivalent of, of of drinking a gallon a day or something. Oh my um, God! And I pointed out the impossibility of this, and I immediately went to Mass General and talked to the chief of addiction medicine and my PCP, and I said, I want you to test me for everything you can on alcohol. Um, so they did a full physical examination. They did all these other tests, every intermediate, long, and short-term marker of alcohol, in, you know, indirect, direct, um, you know, MCV, the um, GGT, ASTA, mm-hmm. LT, all those things, CDT. And they got all those and said, look, this is impossible. Either all of these tests are wrong or their test is wrong. So what these wow. PHP people do is they disregard everything outside. So even though, you know, this is the chief of addiction medicine at Mass General, this bozo from the PHP who's never published a paper in his life, who's never, you know, I mean, he, he you know, they're, 
very low-level physician, um, two out of five in the health grades is, is telling him what to do. Oh, um, this is bad, my so, so it's impossible because they disregard all other information. You know, I got a hair test, a nail test, everything. Um, mm. And they said, no, um, you know, you need to go to where they tell you to go to. So, the, so they've convinced the medical boards and the medical societies that they're the experts. Mm. And um, so they wouldn't let me go to any place but either Hazleton, Marworth, or Talbot. Wow. Or they offered another place called Bradford. So I went to Hazelden, and, you know, I was sure, you know, it was going to be a four-month, uh, um, you know, incarceration. I was just, I, I resigned myself to it. I knew that was going to happen. But it just so happened that the, the medical director, who was one of the FSPHP doctors, I had just filed a, a, an international patent for a medical device to treat anaphylaxis to... Mm-hmm. And, and signed a patent license agreement through Mass General. And he had found out about that. And his, I think, three-year-old daughter had anaphylaxis. She was allergic to peanut. Oh, so we yeah. kind of bonded over that. Yeah. Had it not been for that, yeah. I am positive I would have, would have been in, in there for four months. Oh, so gosh. I was in there for five days. They diagnosed me with no history of alcohol abuse, past or present. Right. Sent me back, but said they couldn't explain the test. So they recommended that I go to three AA meetings per week. Wow. So when I got back, the, the director of the Massachusetts PHP, the, the clinical director, hmm. she didn't like that they didn't admit me for four months. So what she did is she wow. said, oh, you're going to go to three, three AA meetings a week, and you're going to get names and phone numbers. What? They can't do that. Give them to they me. can't do that. They did. They, can't, they, they wrote it in I, – I, I will show you the document. It's a religion. They, they it's a religion, it. Michael. It's a religion, yeah. and they can't but do it. I, I, I will I'll send you wow. the documents. They said yes, name yeah, me, and phone number. Of who? And I, of I explained black to the, job people at AA? Do they know who is sitting in an AA yeah, meeting? And I, so I said, I said, you know, I don't, I don't know if you understand this, but it's half their goddamn name. It's anonymous. How am I supposed to get – Number, you know, wow. this is a unique identifier. Who was this woman? So they, uh, Linda Bresnahan, um, and I've got multiple documents that show, and multiple emails with my lawyer saying, "Look, this isn't working out." Um, especially at the physicians one, because they sent me to the physicians AA meeting, mm-hmm. and the first day I was there, I saw you know a friend of mine from. And I said, "Hey, will you do me a favor? I have to document that I'm here. They're just going to call you and." ask you um, if I was there. So I go back the next week, and this guy attacks me. He said, what the hell did you give them my phone number for? They were asking me how I knew you, where I worked, um, you know, what my specialty was, blah, blah, blah. You know. so, so what they had done is they set up this uh, wow. system where I would get the phone numbers, and then this bozo would call them and ask them personal questions. So wow. it was a game. Who is, who I mean, they're doing it the, so they could get away with it. Wow, this is no wonder Peter wanted me to talk to you. So, where does who yeah. is Linda Bresnahan? Like, where does she work? She works at Physicians Health Services at the Massachusetts Medical Society, um, and she's the program director. Now, John Knight and Wes Boyd, who wrote the paper, um, were my associate directors from 2007 until 2011. Okay, and they're mm-hmm. great guys. They're you know they're um, you know, they're, they're teachers, they're educators, they've, you know, they've written multiple papers. West Boyd just wrote a book on addiction. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're scholars, they're, they're humane um, teachers, researchers. What they've done is they've gotten rid of those guys, and they've replaced them, essentially, you know, ex-drunks, you know, her one drink, you know, one AA meeting away from uh, another malpractice suit. Wow. And that's what's left. So, you know, they got rid of the good guys and brought in, uh, and so I was with Wes Boyd and John Knight from 2007 to, to 2010, and then this other guy took over. And I assumed he would be, you know, because I had been used to those guys. And then I found out right away he was, or not right away, but I found out he was a snake pretty quick. Um, and... Um, 
you know, it, it's just the oh it, there's been gosh. a dumbing down of these. Uh, um, but the thing is, the the, the um, point people they what they have in their contingency management is they have point people, and these so-called point people are on. You know, some are judges, some are, you know, with boards, mm-hmm. um, you know, some are on ethics committee. It's, it's the mm-hmm. same, you know, thing they've done with, you know, putting creationists and anti-global uh, oh. warming people on panels of, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just stacking the, it's right. anti-science. Right, they're on panels with engineers, right, or they're panels with, like, scientists. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's re- wow, this is horrible. I mean, I have some people, and there's, there's actually not a, blog, a lot of bloggers in there in the chat room, but there is uh, one guy, and he just said it's a violation of our First Amendment rights. And uh, mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, he's just uh, horrified, as well as I am. Um, I also sent you the link about um, the WhiteHouse.gov, what it says on that page, which is absolutely uh, so. If you go to WhiteHouse.gov. Um, it, when mm-hmm. you, the link that I just sent you, I found this last night. It says Office of National Drug Control Policy, and it says Supporting Recovery, a wide range of services, program models, and supports are available, blah, blah, blah. Mutual aid. Mutual aid groups, also referred to as self-help, in quotes, or support groups, in quotes, are run by people in recovery and support their members as they follow recovery pathway. Examples of mutual aid groups include 12-step fellowships, AA, NA, and CA. And at these groups, you may meet a killer, a rapist, or a pedophile, and you may get murdered or raped or ripped off by these nutwacks. No, that's what it should say. But, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a whole page here, Michael, about this. On I just mm-hmm. found this last night, and I, I was like, oh, really, a little too depressing. I was like, oh, my God, this is so big. It is so big and needs to be taken on like any yeah. other institution. I'm, so where are you now? Like, how long has this process been going on for you? Um, how long? Since July um, July nineteenth, two thousand eleven. Um, that's when they falsified the test on me. Mm-hmm. And um, so my the biggest obstacle was to convince. So what what they did is. Is they falsified the test, I got the litigation packet, and you know the scumbag at USDTL, who has a written protocol that says what you know he's pleasing his client, you know money over ethics. Mm-hmm. So you know he willingly engaged in falsifying this test. Wow. Um, you know this is a major drug testing company, and they're you wow. know it's not just doctors they're testing, and and you know I've I've got that I've I've, I've you know it's clear it's indefensible. In fact, what I've done is I've asked the MRO for PHS publicly if he can justify what this shows either procedurally, ethically, or legally, any of the three, mm. hey, you know, then I'm out of it. I'll, you know, you can have my medical license with a bow on it. But what he's done is he's remained silent because these guys, you know, they can only operate in secrecy, in the dark, mm-hmm. um, and um, and that's mm-hmm. what they get most of the time because most physicians just develop a learned helplessness, uh, you know, because they humiliate them, they you know make wow. them, they just degrade them to the point that they're not going to fight back, and they're not used to people fighting back. Well, do you and, know um, a doctor who's in jail who will talk to me in my film besides you? Like we could Skype you, but um, do you mm-hmm. know a doctor who you do? Mm-hmm. We'll talk after. In, in, uh, okay. Where, yeah, no, where, where I, is, I've I, I know a lot of people that this has been done to, and and um and the thing is they're not necessarily drug addicts or alcoholics. It, a lot of it's political, so if they target somebody with sham peer review, they can just pull them into a PHP and get rid of them. I mean, what better way to send a message to somebody who's, you know, a medical marijuana advocate? You know, knock a few of those guys off, and other people will think twice before joining up. Oh wait, say that again. You no. Know, Say that again. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's it, it's not just people who are, you know, doctors who have addiction or even substance abuse. They're wow. using this as a, they're using the, you know, label of substance abuse, right, as a means to discredit someone and as, and as a means to, um, you know, disregard everything and bring them in and, uh, um, 
Yes, political abuse of psychiatry again. Wow. But they're also doing the disruptive physician. I'm sorry. But anyway, when when I did this, I um, what they didn't know is I I filed a complaint with the College of American Pathologists, Mm -hmm. who did a six-month investigation, and they you know found that they did indeed fabricate the tests on me. Mm-hmm. But what these PHPs have done is they've they've you know shrouded themselves in secrecy. So, for example, mm-hmm. they you know under the guise of you wouldn't want your patients or your neighbors knowing that you're in rehab, would you? We're going to make it doubly hard for you to get your own records. So, the only people who can see your records or communication with the facilities or the drug testing people are us. Everything has to be filtered through us. Right. If I'm a bus driver and I get a drug test, it's transparent. Mm-hmm. You know, I can question it. I can see it the next day. And mm-hmm. it's from the lab. It's not filtered through a third party. Well, if you're tested through the PHP, you can't get your own records. And they say that's because it will compromise testing because doctors are, you know, they'll figure out how to get around it. I mean, it's all bullshit. But, um, I feel but what like they've I'm done the is... This is like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. It's, this so is you can't really get your bad. own records. But anyway, October of 2012. Yeah. Um, October 7th of 2012, I was called in, and they, you know, reported me to the board for being non-compliant with getting phone numbers at the AA meetings. Right. And I thought, what? You know, this it was like an attack. It was just, uh, oh and I didn't know what was God. going on. Oh my God. And then what I found out in December, I was called by the chief investigator of the College of American Pathologists, Amy Daniels, she called me and said, I just wanted to make sure that you got a copy of the revised test. Mm-hmm. The test that was done in July, the PEF test, they reversed it. It was an invalid test, and wow. we forced the lab to retract it October 6th. Wow. She called me December 19th, or no, December 8th. So what happened is they found out that the test was being reversed. They got a copy of it. And I'm sure the guy gave him the heads up way before that. But they just called me non-compliant and hoped I'd never find out. Mm. So the the level of fraud and deceit, and I mean, it's so deep that, mm. uh, and there's no defense for it. Um, and I'm you trying know, to get this, uh, this uh, you know, criminally, I'm trying to get criminal charges against this woman. Is um, that where you're at now? Are you, do you have a lawyer? Um, I'm well. I'm working right now. I'm I'm trying to convince the medical society and the board that mm-hmm. you know, look, this is the way it is. You should be on the right side of history. Wow. Um, and um, you know, I'm hoping that they'll. But then, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to go against the lab and the PHS. But uh, can I make I make a suggestion? A Morgan Morgan Spurlock. Uh-huh. Morgan Spurlock. No, is the guy he's got a show on CNN right now, uh-huh. and um, I would contact um, Morgan Spurlock uh, to investigate this story. Uh-huh. I want to—I'll have you in my film, but it's this is so you know big. It, it, hi, so there. It's very—it's very big, and if you yeah, look at—if you look at the um, the players in it, it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, I mean, there's not very many. There's uh, right. you know a group so of like a hundred doctors again, doing this. We have a, we have a minute left. I want I want to thank Michael. Okay. Said Michael Langham that has been on the show. Is that how you say your last name? I want to say it right. Langan. 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 L a n g a n. Yep. We're gonna have you on again. We'll talk when we're not on air about what we can do. I can interview on Skype, and then see if somebody uh-huh. who is in prison, a doctor who's imprisoned for this, that we could also. I mean, you know, where I don't know where they'd be, but I I just this is horrible, and it's almost like finding out what you're telling me. And then finding out what I'm finding on the uh, WhiteHouse.gov uh, website mm-hmm. is, um, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty scary. I actually need a really big producer to join me. It's I can't mm-hmm. go on. It's it's way bigger than what I started up making the film about, you know. Um, it's nauseating. And I, I, oh my God, it's it's totally nauseating. I have 19 seconds left. Michael, thank you for joining me. Um, we'll talk again. Thank you everybody for listening tonight. I'm Monica Richardson on Blog Talk Radio. Safe recovery. Remember, you can download free all of these on iTunes. Download them onto your computer. Share them everywhere. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. And tell the truth about what's going on in our country, in our medicine, about Alcoholics Anonymous.
Thanks so much, Michael. We'll talk All right, again. Monica, thank you. Okay, take All right, care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.